is a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. The 2008 presidential campaign is already in high gear with many candidates vying for the nomination from each of the two major parties. We may get tired of all the rhetoric, but being able to vote in elections is one of the basic rights of a citizen of the United States. However, this hasn't always been the case. The U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights did not give women and blacks the right to vote in elections. The movement to abolish slavery led to discussions of rights for freed African Americans, but the abolition movement also spurred the development of the women's suffrage movement. Many of the early Kansas settlers were abolitionists, so the debate over voting rights for blacks and women runs throughout the history of Kansas. In 1858, the Monica Woman's Rights Association was formed in this small community in Lynn County. The preamble to the constitution of this organization, which accepted both men and women as members, is an eloquent statement listing the rights women did not have. As I have breath in my because woman is constituted of body and mind and has all the common wants of the one and the natural powers of the other. Because she is a social being and has all the relations of life to sustain which belong to an associated condition of existence. And because she is a progressive being, ever outgrowing the past and demanding a higher and greater future. Or in other words, because she is a human being and as such is endowed by her creator with the full measure of human rights, whether educational, social, or political. Because, by the present arrangement of the world, she is shut out of colleges and the higher order of educational institutions, thereby deprived of great opportunities for intellectual improvement, shut out from most of the lucrative professions and the mechanic arts, thereby deprived of the facilities for the accumulation of wealth and enjoyment of social life, made subject to laws which she has no voice in making, and which deprive her of the ownership of property and of herself, and give even her daily earnings to the control of others. Dragged before courts to answer for crimes against laws to which she has never given her assent, to be tried as a criminal in halls where she can neither sit as judge or juror or officiate as counsel. And, because from the pulpit and the rostrum, woman is called upon to give character to the rising generation and charged with the responsibility of shaping the destiny of the race, because she is demanded to make statesmen to wield the fate of nations and divines to wake the world to glory, we therefore form ourselves into an association to be governed by the following constitution. Efforts to secure voting rights for women and blacks during the territorial period, however, were unsuccessful. Women were given the right to vote in school elections in the Wyandotte Constitution, which became the Kansas Constitution, but not in other elections. Following the Civil War, another voting rights campaign was initiated. In 1867, the Kansas legislature passed a constitutional amendment that, if adopted by voters of Kansas, would have given equal suffrage to women and blacks. Supporters of the amendment included a number of prominent Kansans, such as Samuel Pomeroy, George and D.R. Anthony, relatives of Susan B. Anthony, Samuel Crawford, and Charles Robinson. They produced a pamphlet titled, Address to the Voters of Kansas. It begins with the following. The legislature of the state has, in its wisdom, presented to you for action three distinct propositions to amend the constitution of our state. 
one to strike from it the word white, thus enfranchising all male citizens of the age 21 years without respect to color. Another, striking out the word male, thereby enfranchising all women of the age of 21 years without regard to color. The third, restricting the elective franchise to loyal persons. It is the duty of every voter in the state to give them the consideration due to grave propositions affecting the fundamental law of the state and touching the future honor and power of our young commonwealth. The pamphlet presented the following arguments for each of the three changes. We believe the word white should be struck from the Constitution and no longer be allowed to stand as an impeachment of the intelligence and patriotism of a people who, by their resistance to oppression and their fearless conflicts with political wrong, have won the confidence and esteem of all mankind. We believe the colored man is entitled to the ballot by every reason and consideration upon which rests the enfranchisement of white men. We believe its removal will make our state consistent with itself, which clearly and emphatically contemplates the voice of all the governed in the laws that govern. It will equalize the honors and responsibilities of all that are subject to legislation and correct the evils arising from a want of a more universal representation at the ballot box. In short, we believe every valid reason for the enfranchisement of female citizens. We are in favor of disfranchising men who, by disloyalty and treason, sought to destroy the government to which they owed allegiance, believing that by these acts all political rights are justly forfeited, and that they no longer have a right to a voice in the laws that are to govern loyal men, at least during a probation sufficient to show a return to loyalty and unreserved allegiance. The proposed changes in the Kansas Constitution were defeated in 1867. Blacks had to await the ratification of the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution in 1870 before they had the legal right to vote. Though African Americans were denied the chance to exercise their right to vote in many parts of the country through a variety of ways, such as poll taxes, literacy tests, and physical intimidation. Women in Kansas turned their attention toward efforts to gain the franchise in municipal elections. This campaign was supported by the Women's Christian Temperance Union in the hopes that women voting in local elections would influence local liquor laws. Success in this area finally came in April 1887, when women in Kansas first voted in municipal elections. Franklin Adams, secretary of the Kansas State Historical Society, undertook the task of compiling statistics from this election because there was no law or regulation that required that the results of city elections be reported to a state official. Adams was unable to obtain all of the details he wanted, but he reported that 25,062 women and 64,573 men voted in elections held in 221 cities. He provided the following interpretation of these results. I have been most thoroughly impressed with the conviction that the people of Kansas at the last spring election completely solved the women's suffrage problem. It is no longer a question whether women want to vote, they do want to vote. This is proven by the fact that they have voted the first opportunity given them. They have voted with an intelligent, zealous, earnest interest in the good of the community in which they have their homes. If the question was as to better school management, they voted for the best. 
If it was for street, sanitary, or other reforms, they voted prudently for what it would seem the good of all demanded. If it was for a change of an administration notoriously involved in speculations with waterworks or other corporations, they voted to deliver the city from such corrupt entanglement. If political parties controlled by saloon influences put up candidates with the odor of whiskey on their garments, the women rebuked the party managers and voted for candidates who would better promote the moral welfare of the community. In every instance, they voted for home and fireside, for the freeing of the community from those demoralizing influences and temptations from which every good woman would deliver those of her own household. Adams was a supporter of the women's suffrage movement and of prohibition, as the language used in this excerpt indicates. An unexpected result of the right for women to vote in municipal elections was demonstrated by the fact that a number of women were voted into office during this and other local elections. Women won all five seats on the Syracuse City Council, and Susanna Medora Salter was elected mayor of Argonia. On April 2, 1888, Oskaloosa voters filled their mayor's office and all five council seats with women. By the start of the 20th century, 16 Kansas towns had elected women mayors, with many accompanied by all-woman councils. It would take another campaign in 1912 to secure full voting rights for women in the state of Kansas. In retrospect, if one considers the struggles of the supporters of voting rights for blacks and women, and the decades that it took to achieve equal suffrage in Kansas and in the United States, we might all place a higher value on our right and civic responsibility to vote. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of a Kansas Memory Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Historical Society collections. The URL for the website is www.kansasmemory.org.